You're listening to the Community Church in Orange podcast. We hope you enjoy today's episode. This morning I'm going to be sharing with you is on first fruits. I've titled this message, The Fruit the Lord Desires. And um, as I said to you earlier, that this is Freedom February, and I'm going to be preaching this month uh, today. Today I'm going to share with you a message about God's ability to free your finances and to help you. Um, this month I am going to be preaching about finding freedom from Jezebel. The Lord put it in my heart many months ago about the attack, a spiritual attack upon this body. And, and this month I'm going to be sharing that message with you. And uh, I'm not sure if it's one or two services. It may be two services because it really entails so much. But I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is able to, to liberate you in every area of your life if you'll allow him. It's the truth. I can tell you that God has been good to me. I come from a very poor uh, background, uh, impoverished as a child many times without electricity and water. Uh, many times no food. I mean, just so many things that we struggled with in our life, and it was directly due to the fact that my father was bound by alcohol. And so as a result of that, and not being able to take care of his family because he was so addicted to, to alcohol, you know, I grew up in that scenario, and, and when I was born again and come into relationship with Jesus, you know, it was from that moment that God really began to bless Leslie and I. We actually, when we got married, she made the conscious decision. She had a job that required her to work on Sundays, and so we made the decision right then that she was going to quit that job, and uh, we would be in church together no matter what. And I will tell you, she didn't quit the job with another job in hand. But immediately another job presented itself, a much better job, a Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 o'clock job. Let me tell you, God honors faith. He honors people that honor Him. And this morning, I'm going to share this message with you. And I will tell you that in the past, I, did, I, I, I didn't preach on finances ever, really. And the main reason I never preached on finances is because in my early days, I had this knee-jerk reaction to uh, prosperity preaching that I had heard because I'd heard so much of that prosperity preaching that was preached under uh, some of it was under the guise of blessing just one you know and I always kind of thought well if you really believe if I send you a thousand dollars it'll all work out why don't you send me a thousand dollars you know that's what I was thinking and, and plus I'd had their individuals in my life and I will tell you that it was a it was for me I went this direction swung too far with it how many of you know there's a balance in the truth of God's word amen and probably 15 to 18 years ago, the Lord began to bring a balance into my life about the message that He does desire to prosper His children. You know, it's amazing how the God teaches us through our own children. He'll teach us where we're disobedient through our own kids, you know? It's like looking at a little mirror. And He'll teach us how that as a parent, as a father, how much you desire for your children. But the truth is, how much more as a father he desires to bless you, to prosper your life in every arena. Now, for some, they've turned this idea of prospering to only be finances. I'm going to tell you that prospering in Jesus is far more than finances. Amen? It's far more than finances. I don't know about you, but I sure pay a lot for a good night's sleep. Come on. I would pay a lot for a good night's sleep. Now, let me tell you, folks, next, next Sunday is, is Valentine's Day, and I have a very special guest that's going to be here. And uh, I'm going to be bringing this person up. There's only a few people, actually, Stephen doesn't even know 
about this special guest. There's only a few people know about this very special guest that I'm going to be bringing. So I want you to make sure that you're here uh, uh, next Sunday. Um, I saw a, a meme on Facebook, and it was a picture of a gallon of milk and had the date, February 14th, on it. It says, when your milk has a date on Valentine's, but you don't. <laughs> I hear a lot of single people laughing. That's good. So I got a special guest coming next week. I want you to make sure plan to be here. But the Lord wants to prosper you in every arena in your life. I'm going to tell you this. The Lord is prospering community church right now. God is prospering the church and the school. There, there is about to be a whirlwind of activity begin to happen in the construction portion of the church, the reconstruction of the church. We have gotten our bids in for in our kitchen. We're working on that and trying to get the funding prepared because a lot of things are about to take off, and it's going to be like a whirlwind. And, and, and the Lord is prospering community church, not for community church to enjoy it for themselves, but as Stephen alliterated this morning, that, that he prospers so that we do the work of the kingdom. And he never prospers just so that we can take it in ourselves and fill up our barns. You know what I'm saying? He prospers us so that we can be a blessing to other people. So he wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. You're his child. Matter of fact, he wants to prosper you and bless you more than you know. Sometimes, sometimes we don't find ourselves prospering in some areas because maybe God is trying to work on those areas to bring us because here's the truth. He's not going to give you more than you can handle. He's not going to give you, some of you want to win the lottery. Some of you couldn't handle the lottery. You'd be off in the world and away from Jesus before you knew it. So he wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. But, but I want to focus on first fruits. But I want, this morning, I'm going to try to focus upon the real fruit that God desires. And I want you to stand with me. And we're going to read this scripture together. I think it's really important. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to try to teach this morning. As, a mo as opposed to just preach. But Exodus chapter 23, verse 14, he says this, And three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded you. And at that time appointed in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt, none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the firstfruits of your labor, which you have sown in the fields. And the feast of ingathering in the end of the year when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field. James 1.18 says this, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the gifts of your spirit that have already operated in this room and the encouragement and the outpouring of your presence through the worship in this place. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray you give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to receive. Father, give us faith to walk out your word today, God, and we give you honor and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So let me define for you first fruits, because I will tell you, this is my first time to ever preach on first fruits. You know, when I came here, people were like, are we doing a first fruits offering? I was like, I've never really done that. So I guess it was kind of a principle and something that had been a established and I was encouraged we should continue doing it 
And so at the end of the service, I'm going to have you bring your offering to the Lord in a first fruits manner. So in the Old Testament, the, the Feast of Harvest, as it says here in the book of Exodus, in chapter uh, 23, verse 16, and the Feast of Harvest, the first fruits of your labors that you have sown in the field. Now, when I was studying this, it gets a little bit kind of confusing. I really spent a lot of time studying this message. And, and from what I've surmised is that there was a first fruits that actually occurs after uh, Passover. And when you correlate that to the reality that Jesus, you know, at Passover, his death, and then on the resurrection was a few days later that the first fruits, when it was representative, and how that God works in types and shadows in the Old Testament, that, that the death of Christ representing the passing over and the blood of the Lamb being applied to your life, and then at resurrection there was a first fruits. And the Bible declares very explicitly that Jesus is the first fruit. He really is. Amen. We should praise God for that. But here in the book of Exodus, and there was a, a, a time that they would actually bring a very, very first, first fruits to this. But, but here from Exodus chapter 23, he talks about the feasts of harvest. And he tells them that in this feast that they were to go and to literally physically go up to the temple and bring this, this offering. He said, this harvest you are to bring is a first fruits of your labors. Everybody say labors. So in the Old Testament, it was a command by God for Israel to observe this different feast and they were to bring this feast, this first fruit of their labors to the house of God. And I want to tell you, it was an abundance of overflowing. I can't even begin to imagine all the things that came into the house of God. And, and ultimately, it was a provision of abundance for God's work and for God's temple. Now, in the agrarian society, in agricultural society, we understand and know that first fruits for them was their work of their hands. It was their veggies. It was their satsumas. You know what I'm saying? I still got some satsumas on my tree. It's kind of, I'm waiting them to become fatsumas. You got to get on with board, Stephen. Man. Work on your dad jokes. <laughs> so they would literally bring the work of their hands, the, the labor of their hands, and they would bring it into the house of God, and it would be for the provision for the work of God. And it was literally a command of the Lord that they were to observe this on a yearly fashion. Now for us, how would we define first fruits? Leslie was asking me exactly, how would that apply to me? Do I, I don't have chickens. People bring me all kinds of chicken eggs and I've had more fruit crazy. I had kumquats, those are actually pretty good, those little round, and that was Alan Bertrand said, here, eat it, eat the whole thing. And I'm like, you've been talking to Terry LeBlanc because I don't, you're trying to trick me, little bitty orange peel, and I'll, and I'll tell you, it was really good. I've had uh, grapefruit lemon satsuma thingies. I don't know what you call them. Grape and satsumas. I don't know. I've had satsumas brought to me. I've had things, and some of it, Leslie told me that some people have brought their actual fruit as an offering of first fruits to the house. So how do we apply first fruits to us? Because I don't necessarily have a garden. I don't, as Stephen kind of pointed it out, the truth is, in our society, based on our, our, our economics being based on gold, and we're not necessarily that agricultural society, so how could I bring a first fruits? How could I bring an offering? And I want to tell you that really I believe that this first fruits that God's desiring for us as the people of God to give, it's flowing in a free will manner. It's a free will offering that's of your increase. And I want you to get this, and you could write it down. 
It's not the tithe. And I, and I want to clarify something. In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says, In all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, everybody say that with me, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. So there was the tithe, the 10% they were to bring. And the Bible is very explicit about what tithing is. Tithing is not you giving. I got quiet. Tithing is not you giving anything of yourself. The Bible explicitly spells it out. The tithe is holy, separated, consecrated to the Lord. So when I tithe of my income, when I give my 10%, and Leslie and I have always done that, I can tell you that in the times in our own personal walk, there have been a few times where we didn't tithe. And I'll tell you that during those times, though, were slim and lean days, and we recognized and realized real quickly, if we will honor God's word, God will honor our faith and trust in him. Come on, somebody say amen to that. It's truth. Now, I know, I've been around this long enough to know that there is an immediate reaction in the mind of many people that when a preacher would dare to stand in a pulpit and speak about finances, that there's this immediate, the enemy can come in and immediately start speaking to you, well, he's just about getting your money. Well, I'm going to tell you this, that's not true. That's not my desire, nor my intent. I want to see you as the people of God operating in a place of freedom and abundance in your life in an overflowing manner. So when we talk about the tithe, that is that 10% of the portion of our income that belongs to God. But I want you to take that and set that aside. Matter of fact, I want to encourage you to begin to honor God in tithing. If all of the church tithed their income, there would be no financial problems in the house of God. Anybody enjoy air conditioning? Amen. If you don't enjoy air conditioning here, you've got problems. <laughs> I thank God for air conditioning and comfortable seats, but it's provided by the income of people out of their heart in obedience to the Word of God, in obedience to the Lord, and listening to the Holy Spirit, and taking and saying, God, I'm going to honor you with my tithe. But let's get to this, this idea of first fruits. And how is that applicable to me? Because we don't celebrate the feast. We don't adhere to these feasts like they did in the Old Testament. So here is the thing. I believe that when we talk about the Word of God, that we can take these things and we can apply them into our life as principles. Y'all know what a principle is, right? It's an idea, it's an understanding that I can apply to myself. So according to the Word of God, there are principles, I believe here, that are universal that I can apply to myself when it comes to this idea of first fruits. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. It says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Everybody say first fruits. Say increase. Verse 10. Can y'all read this with me? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So this is a, a proverb. Y'all know what a proverb is? It's a saying of wisdom. It's a place of wisdom that God's trying to express that if you will listen to this, if you will pay attention to it, if you will begin to operate on it, and I want you to know there's a difference in believing in something and acting on something. Come on. 
I can say I can walk on water, but if I'm living in the boat, I'm not walking on water. So there is a principle, there's a principle of wisdom that is declared here through the book of Proverbs that, that we can apply to our lives. We can look into the Word of God, and the Bible says the Word of God's like a mirror. And when you look into that mirror, it defines for you what you really are. How many of you know that mirrors and light are not the best thing as we get older? You know, I've always said it this way. Women, you know, they could be skinny as a rail and be like, oh, I'm so ugly. And a guy, we're like walking around going, I still got it, you know. (laughs) Well, they say they have sunken chest disease. (laughs) <laughs> their chest sunk or their chest or drawers disease. I think it's Scott who said it. Their chest fell down in their drawers. I can think I've got it, but when I turn the lights on and look into a mirror, I can realize real quickly, I don't got it. Leslie thinks I got it. Loud, louder. So, so let's talk about some principles for a moment. In the principles of first fruits in your life, first of all, giving is about honoring Him. He said it this way, honor the Lord with your possessions. You know, honoring with our possessions, how does that work, you know? Pastor, am I to bring my tennis shoes to the Lord? Am I to bring, you know, <laughs> what do I do? I want to tell you something, it's an incredible story about a young man that I, uh, um, that I know that when he was about 14 he was learning to play the bass guitar now if you're a bass guitarist and if you're a guitarist in general there are various name brands of instruments that people like I have a Taylor I was praising God when I was able to finally get a Taylor guitar and if you know anything about guitars I think, I think they're just the best guitar made they're better than Gibson I, uh, whatever that's my opinion it's what the guitar I always wanted if you're a bass player, you've heard this name, Rickenbacker. Where's Brother Brown at, you know? Rickenbacker's a bass, isn't it, brother? It's a name brand. It was, so this was back in the 90s, and this young man was there. And there was a, a, a missionary, I think it was a missionary that was, they were raising funds for some deal overseas, and this young man had wanted to get a Rickenbacker bass, so he had a ring that had been given to him. It was a nice gold ring, and so he took that ring. He didn't tell nobody. He put that ring in the offering. He said, Lord, I, I, I'm just going to honor you with that and so he did he said he just gave of what he had and that's all he had and he put it in the offering and I guess when they were counting the offering they found a ring in it and they began to where did this ring come from now I'm not telling you go put your rings in the offerings folks so he put a ring in there and and they're like trying to figure it out they finally figured out that it was this young man that he had given that ring and that missionary I think took that ring went around and told that story everywhere he went and raised thousands and thousands of dollars people just given in an abundance of, of finances to bless it because it so moved their heart that a young teenager would give something that was so precious and important to him and when he was through with that he went back to that young man and gave him back that ring but what's incredible in the midst of all that somebody came to him and gave him a brand new Rickenbacker bass guitar I think it was like a couple of thousand dollar guitar. It was crazy. It was an amazing thing. Here is the principle that when you honor God with your finances and your possessions, God will honor you. The word honor here is kabod in the Hebrew. And it can be defined in a lot of ways. Matter of fact, it's used in a lot of ways in in interpretation in the the Old Testament. But a couple of ways it it is defined as the word glory, 
or to glorify. Now, literally, the word means weighty. Anybody ever heard of the kabod of God, the, the glory of God, the weighty, weighty glory? Have anybody ever been into the presence of God, the weighty glory? I always felt it in this manner, that when that presence falls, people get on their face. The presence of God. So the idea here in Proverbs, it says that when the weight of the Lord, uh, honor, with the weight of the Lord, honor your possession, with your possessions. So to me, it's the idea of this, is there is an idea that when I give, I am glorifying Him. I am lifting Him up. I am exalting Him. Now, as a child growing up, I knew what honor was because if I didn't honor my mom and dad, you know what happened to me? Go to your room. No. I got a whooping. Everybody say whooping. That's West Texas for you there, folks. If I didn't honor my mom or my dad or if I didn't respect them, and I will tell you, that's what honor is. It's to respect or to revere. If I didn't honor them, then I can tell you this. There was always a reciprocation from my mom and dad. So let me put it into simple terms for you. I believe that honor is simply and practically lived out by this word, obedience. It doesn't matter if I say I honor somebody. Because when I honor, I'm respecting an authority or one that's over me. When I honor them, I do the things that they ask me to do. So there is a direct correlation between honoring God and obeying His Word. If you are honoring your Heavenly Father and simply living that out, then according to the idea of first fruits, we are living it out practically by giving Him what's first, what's best, and what's priority. I've always said it this way. It's easier in America for people, people to give money than it is to give themselves. How do I know that's true? I know that's true when you send out message and you ask for volunteers and you get four people respond. I ain't getting no amens. I understand people are busy and things are going on, but the truth is... What is prioritized in your life will take up your time. The time that we spend in our activities and hobbies and leisurely things versus the time that we spend in our relationship with God. I spend more time on Facebook than I do before His face. It's the truth. It happens. So if we are going to live out the principle of first fruits in our life, there is going to be a place where we, we not only say we honor God, but we practically live out this lifestyle of honoring Him on a daily basis in obedience. You know why it is that people believe that it's okay to not obey God, but talk about obeying God? is because they're not looking at Him face to face. It's kind of like I've been at jobs where... You know, there are individuals there real quick to criticize the boss. And, you know, I tell you what, I just like to give him a piece of my mind or give her, you know, I give her a piece of my mind. And they show up and they're like, you know what I'm talking about? It's about honoring him with all that you have. And I want you to, you need to write this down. Not all that you have, but all that you are. The principle of first fruits is not only about honor, but it's about the blessing of his provision. 
Everybody knows, we've heard this term, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is God, our provider. Has God ever showed up and been Jehovah Jireh in anybody's life in, the, in this house? I've been old and I've been young, but the Bible says, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I don't know about you, but God has been good to me. He's taken good care of me. He's made provisions. It's not always been what I wanted or exactly how I thought it was going to work out. But the truth is, he has, he has given me a nice bed to sleep in and a home to sleep in on a daily basis. From, from the moment I've been married, God has always taken care of me in my relationship with him. He is Jehovah Jireh, folks. He is my provider. And I want you to get this. He is your provider and his heart is to bless his children now if you remember this the account of Jehovah Jireh with Abraham and Isaac anybody familiar with the story of Abraham and Isaac and I don't like to use the term Isaac a, a story I don't like to use that per se with the Old Testament because story kind of connotates the idea of a fictitious fictitious thing but when the account of Abraham and Isaac when they went up on the mountain and the Lord told Abraham I want you to sacrifice your son. Remember that? I want you to take your only son, the one that the promise was to go through, and I want you to take him to that mountain. Now, this is an incredible th account because I can't even begin to fathom that as a father, that God would ask me to take and kill my child. First of all, I'd probably be like, is that God? You know, I'd, I'd be questioning that. But according to the Word of God, as, as Abraham was a man of faith, and the Bible says it was accounted to him unto righteousness because he believed, believed, believed God to the degree that he would obey God to whatever God asked from him. And so in accordance with the word of God that was spoken to him out of faith and out of obedience and out of honoring his father, he said, Father, I'm going to take my firstborn. Are y'all getting it? I'm going to take my firstborn in obedience to what you said, and I'm going to give him back to you. And he did. Took him to the mountain. Carry it. I, 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 I wonder if the boy's like, you know, who's going to die today? You know, I don't know. He may be clueless. I don't know. Took him up there, bound him, placed him in that place, about to plunge that knife into him in obedience to the word of God. And he said, the Lord said, the angel said, stop. There's a lamb in the bushes. That was where God had spoken that he was Jehovah Jireh, that ultimately he would provide the sacrifice. You know who gave up his firstborn? The father. The Father didn't give you kind of a, a plan B or a plan C. He gave you plan A. He gave you the firstborn. He gave you the first. That, you're getting this. He gave it to you because he loved you. He poured out the sacrifice for you and you and you. God loves you with an everlasting love. He is Jehovah Jireh. I can tell you today that I'm standing here. You're sitting there under the blessing of the Father. Without that cross, we wouldn't be here. So it's a principle of recognizing that the provision comes from his, uh, that blessing comes from his provision. Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your bosom, for with the same measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. This is a principle of giving that to the degree that you honor God and your giving and trust and honoring Him with all your possessions and all that you are, you will find the abundance and the increase and the overflow of all that He has for you. I wonder this. I'm going to get down here and preach now because I'll teach you in a minute. I won't preach down here. Preach, teach, okay? I wonder how much blessing we miss because we don't obey God's Word. 
Is he omnipotent? Is he all-powerful? Come on, amen. Is he? Is he omniscient, all-knowing? Does the Bible say that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills? I've told people before, I was like, you know, you know, I don't worry about finances so much because I got a rich dad. And I ask him, have you met my dad? It's funny to watch people. No, I never met your dad. Well, let me tell you about him. He is rich. Matter of fact, what we find so precious, he paves streets with it. Gold, if you didn't know that. I wonder how much, how many times in our life that we miss the blessing and the favor. And let me get it to this, the overflow of increase in our life because we're scared to honor God's word. If you put your trust in the money you have in the bank, you have misplaced your trust. If you put your trust in the retirement account or the Social Security that you're getting on a monthly basis, you have misplaced your trust because I can tell you this, there is only one that's the real source of provision and it is himself. Now that's not saying you pastor, you just give all your money away. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you that your trust is placed in something. Come on. He wants to bless you. He wants to overflow with increase in your life. And Jesus said it plainly. There's a principle of giving where the abundance and the increase can begin to operate in your life is when you start listening to the Holy Spirit in your giving. First of all, he says you should tithe. You should honor God in your tithe. It's honoring him. It's obeying his word. That's what he's declared. And so here's the truth. It's not just something that preachers make up. No, it is the truth of the word of God. And out of the abundance of that and the, the overflow of giving beyond that, Leslie and I have always, I've always wanted to give a 10% beyond in missions. I always wanted to take not only a, a tithe, a 10% of my income, but another 10% to give into missions. Because when I give beyond the tithe is when I start operating in the arena where the blessing can really begin to flow. It's the truth. I've experienced it. I, I guarantee you, I could pull people up here and test. Anybody got a testimony where God's poured out blessing when you've obeyed him and you've seen blessing just begin to operate in your life right now I wonder how many of us are missing the blessing of finances and the blessing of provision the blessing of overflow and increase in our homes and our lives because we're not listening and obeying the Holy Spirit let me get on second thirdly it's a principle of recognizing what you have comes from him how many of you know that God is really the provider of all things? The job you have, the money that you make from that company, you should not say, oh, thank you, Exxon. Thank you, Mobile. Thank you, Valero, or whatever you work, or school system, or gas station, or Walmart, or wherever you work. Home Depot, it doesn't matter. You know, what you should recognize and realize at the end of the day, that you belong to Him, and He places you in the right places at the right time. He wants to bless you, and really, He is the ultimate source of your financial provision. It's not the company you work for, because the truth is, the company you work for could fail tomorrow. It could. You don't think that's possible? You just watch the stock market. You watch how quickly this stock market can go up, and the stock market can go down. And you'll find out real quickly, your job many times is tied to the money that they have on the stock market when it goes up and when it goes down. I don't know about you, but he is my provider. And guess what? If I didn't make another dime here from today, I know he'd be my provider tomorrow. So let me talk to you about freedom. I said that freedom, February is a month of freedom. Let me talk to you about freedom that's found in first fruits. 
First of all, I want you to recognize, and most of you I believe here would recognize this reality, that you have been given freedom in Christ. The Bible says it this way, He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Come on, amen? Praise God for His freedom. So today I am free. I've been freed from the fear of tomorrow. I've been freed from the sin of the past. I've been freed from the failures. I've been freed from the generational things of my family. I've been freed from the alcohol. I've been freed from a lot of things. Hallelujah. So today, I'm free. You ever met a man, or you ever met a person, or a man or a woman that's ever been in prison, and they come out of that prison, and they don't talk about being glad to be out of that place, then they didn't really learn what freedom was about. I can promise you this. Somebody that's been locked up for a long time, when they get free and they come out, they're real quick to tell you how awesome it is to not be sitting behind bars. I felt like during COVID when I was in quarantine, I was imprisoned. And Leslie was my warden. The best warden you could ever have. See, Stephen, that's how you salvage that. She makes you brownies. She made me a sugar-free dessert this week. And it tasted really good with that chocolate syrup and whipped cream on it. I tell you what, I got out of quarantine, I was praising God. Amen. The other day I walked outside, I didn't even look at my phone, but I walked outside to get in my truck. And Coach, where's Coach at? Coach, wait a minute. Coach is sitting out there in his truck looking at my pickup. He said, Pastor, I just had to get out of the house and drive around a little bit. I had to get out. I couldn't stand it no longer. It's like, hey, Coach. Freedom's amazing. Being free is awesome. Amen. Hallelujah. I am free from the fear of everything. Free. My life belongs to Him. All that I am. All that I'll ever be. Hallelujah. And all that I was today, I'm a free man because of the cross and because of the first fruit, the Lamb of God that was slain for my sin. God gave His best. Hallelujah. How can I do any less? So there's freedom through the first fruit of Jesus Christ. There's freedom through the work of the cross. There's freedom through what the Father has given to you. And I want you to get this. You are free not to sin, but you are free from sin. Hallelujah. Go look at Romans chapter 7 and 8. There is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. So the Word of God is explicit today. Sin does not control me. I'm no longer a slave to its grip or its power or its dominion today. Because when He rose from the grave, He defeated death, hell, and sin. Hallelujah. Today I'm liberated into the presence of God. Hallelujah. What would you pay to be free? You know, if you went into prison, what would you give to be free? I'd give some ramen noodles. (laughs) That's what they trade in prison, if you don't know that. They'd give whatever they had to get free, wouldn't they? He's laughing, Jim's laughing because he knows he's better than jail. Ramen noodles is like trading gold in the prison system. I'd give a pack of cigarettes, you know, whatever. Today... There is a freedom that God has provided through to you. It's not free to continue a life of sin, but hallelujah, it is free to understand the living Word of God that you can begin to walk in the Word of God and find the true 
prosperity and blessing of the Father. And it's not just finances, folks. It does include finances, but more than that, it's the freedom to lift my hands and say, thank you, God. I've been redeemed from a world of darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been free today. Hallelujah. You see, you are free to obey. You're also free to give. Give of your finances. I've already talked about that. But I want to talk to you about the real first fruits that God desires. You see, in the book of Acts, anybody familiar with the, the day of Pentecost? Anybody familiar with Pentecost? Now, if you don't know, that was actually the Feast of Harvest. That was where people from all over the world had gathered in Jerusalem. And in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. Now, it is in that moment that, you know, that when the resurrection happened, the, 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 the possibility of real redemption and freedom was birthed. The church really, was resu- really began at the resurrection. But on the day of Pentecost... As that 140 gathered in that upper room and they're praying and they're seeking the face of God in obedience because Jesus told them, go and wait for the promise. You notice they're obeying God practically, not just, you know, hey, you know, we'll pray at the house or on the way on the camel, you know. They're there in the upper room praying and waiting in anticipation of the outpouring of God's spirit for the promise. That's what he said. Now, they didn't know exactly how that was all going to look like. But on the day of Pentecost, the sound of a mighty rushing wind, it tells us in the book of Acts, that at the day of Pentecost came, that feast of harvest that was there, people from all over the world, and the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of, of Pentecost, and then the feast of harvest, and there in that moment with all those people there, they're up there, they're just going at it, and they're speaking in tongues. Some people say speaking in tongues is not biblical. They need to reread their Bible. It is biblical. You don't have to be afraid of tongues. I mean, you don't, you're afraid of Spanish? Gloria a Dios. Amen, Connie? Gloria a Dios. Amen? Slava Bogu. That's Russian. Not slap a bug you. You know, I could get probably some of you others. That <laughs> We're not afraid of other languages. But on that day, tongues came because it was in that moment that these men that were from all over the world, men and women, they're there, and they heard them speaking Parthians, Medes. It was for people from all over the world. They didn't know their language, and they began, they were speaking in their language, and the Bible says they were glorifying God. And that day, the, the preaching of the word goes forward, and all those, I think it was some 3,000 souls, came into the kingdom. Let me tell you. How God works intricately and symmetrically throughout His Word. He not only uh, poured out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Harvest, but as the Word of God says, you and I are a part of those first fruits. Hallelujah. It was absolutely ordained in the will of God that the church was birthed at the time, as it says there, at that time of harvest. And you and I, because of the harvest of God, hallelujah, I'm a first fruit of what Jesus done in my life. Amen. He done it for you. He done it for me. So how God absolutely works through his word. And I've always said it this way. Um, when God gets the heart, he gets the wallet. Yeah? My wife yesterday went and bought clothes. Looking fancy, baby. I was blessed just a few weeks ago to go get a truck. It didn't just because I'm forcing that. No, my wife wanted me to have a truck. 
She has my heart. And I have her heart. And guess what? When God gets the heart, he gets the wallet. She got my wallet too. Yes, giving willingly. Or live alone. <laughs> I have always believed that giving is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. So honoring him with your first fruit deals with three things. Faith, obedience, and self. In the kingdom of God, in this walk with Jesus, he is constantly working. He's a surgeon, folks. He is always constantly, not only working on the heart, he tests the heart. You know that? He tests your heart. Well, I, I just, oh, I just got faith in the Lord. Amen. We used to sing this song back years ago, old hymn. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From all arms safe in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith, and I feel no alarm. Good song. Until Monday morning. I, I was living by faith. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day God is always working on you and I to make us more into the image of who Jesus is and with that being said there is a war that is going on within you and me to either surrender all that I am to God or to continue walking down my own path and do my own thing and so there is sometimes this tug of war between the spirit of the living God and the carnal nature of old man that doesn't really want to let go and trust as I said, there are three parts to honoring him. It's faith, obedience, and self. Let me talk about faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, is what the Bible says. We talk about faith. We sing about faith. We have books about faith. We have teachings on faith. There's videos on faith. But at the end of the day, what really is faith? I'm going to tell you what faith is. It's a step at a time. When I'm in, it was actually February, it just came up. I was in Nicaragua this time last year, preaching, and we were experiencing incredible miracles. And this time last year, I'd had another church that had contacted me from Atlanta, and they told me they wanted me to come preach and try out to be their pastor. So that was kind of planned. I had sent a resume to community church, and I believe with everything, God wanted me to be here. And this other church, I told them, I said, well, I'll come preach, but I won't let you vote on me. I'll have to preach first. You know, I was just kind of seeing... What, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I really believe the Lord wanted me here at community. And I got a phone call from Elvis and Melissa Rushing on the pulpit committee, and they interviewed me. While I was in Nicaragua, for like an hour, we talked on the phone. And, and service was actually going on that, that uh, afternoon. While, the, while we were, I was doing this phone interview, I was with them at the, I was at the church, and, and uh, I was on the cell phone with them. And after the, I got off the phone with them, the Holy Spirit said to me this. He said, Lloyd, you call that church immediately you tell them you're not coming now I didn't have anything in the bag there were a lot of I don't know how many candidates there were quite a few candidates that they were they had different ones interviewing different ones I didn't have anything in the bag I didn't know you know nobody said oh you're gonna be the guy we're just got to go through this formality no but I did have a voice that came from heaven and so I got on the phone and I called them from Nicaragua after I got on the phone with them I immediately called them why would I do that that's crazy you know what? Faith says, I believe what the Lord has spoken to me is true. Now for some, there is this things that, that the Bible doesn't explicitly always spell out. 
I mean, the Bible don't tell you to get up every morning and brush your teeth. You should brush your teeth. Some of you spouses said, amen. <laughs> the Bible don't tell you to get up and shower every day. But some of you spouses say, amen. Especially in the sweaty summer. <laughs> So the Bible doesn't explicitly spell out every step and detail of my life and exactly what I am to am or not do, do or not do. I, I know a young man that he thinks it's okay to smoke weed and serve God. No, let me tell you, it's not okay. Oh, that's kind of quiet, for, too quiet for here. Let me tell you, social drinking of our day tomorrow will be the smoke, social smoking weed. Where does that end? I don't have to have the Bible tell me it's wrong. Why? I have the Holy, let me, let me point that out, the Holy Spirit of God living in me that speaks to me to live a life that is consecrated and holy to Him. So He doesn't explicitly spell out every little detail, but listen, I have the Spirit of the living God listening in me, in me and He is speaking and whispering to me things in my life and he's telling me Lloyd now it's not for everybody not everybody God didn't call everybody to get out of the boat did he he only called one it's only one we see but there are things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you that you're going to have to take a step of obedience to God in your life maybe it's a, a job change I don't know maybe maybe the Lord's telling you to go get something right with somebody maybe there's some unforgiveness and some bitterness toward a, a brother or a sister maybe it's a reconciliation with somebody from your past I don't know maybe it's your job getting a better attitude about your boss and your co-workers come on that's practical living isn't it so faith says that it's not just that I believe it and there's a difference between believing and faith because faith lived out is proven by the actions of my life so when it comes to the idea of honoring God with our first fruits that work of faith says that Lord I believe what you have said anybody believe God is Jehovah Jireh anybody believe the word that he said press down shaken together overflowing give and to the measure you give it will be measured back to you anybody believe the word of God well, if you believe the Word of God, then are you honoring God in your tithe and your giving? Come on. That's the truth. You can't say you trust God and believe God and not honor God's Word. Oh, I'm just going to sit down. I mean, these are basic principles that believers should know. Come on, right? There are areas in our life that we have yet possibly that are, that are yet unsurrendered to the will of God, to the Word of God. I, I don't have to have the Holy Spirit show up and say, Lord, yes, you're supposed to tithe. No, God has given me His Word. I trust Him, I believe Him. And He is right now, I believe it right now, the Holy Spirit's challenging some of you to start honoring God in your tithe. You know, I think that many of you, and it's Stephen, you pointed out so good, man, we don't give to get. We give to honor. We give because He gave. We give because we love. And when we give out of honor and love and faith and trust, you can just get back because the Father's like, oh, I got, I'm, I'm about, to, come on, bring in the bucket loads. Come on. Bring the wagon. Dump, pour it out. And the next thing you know, these blessings upon blessings 
begin to operate in your life. You know what the greatest blessing to me is at this point in my life? Is seeing my children and my grandchildren walking with Jesus. It's not a house. It's not a new truck. Oh, I love my new truck. I could start my truck with an app. Terry charted with the remote control. I said, look, I got an app. I got Wi-Fi in my truck. I could drive down the road and surf the internet, but I shouldn't, right? Amen? Just testing your heart there, folks. <laughs> we went on a trip. We went on a trip, and I don't, I don't want to eat in my truck. Unless he's over there, like, picking every crumb off the seat. You give me a couple of months, there are probably banana peels in the back. New truck becomes an old truck. New house becomes an old house. New job becomes a new, an old job. Money and money and money, doesn't, it's, at the end of the day, doesn't really satisfy. What satisfies is the prosperity that God wants in our lives is his blessing and favor over me. I'm telling you, peace is worth a million dollars. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of upheaval politically in a nation, peace is worth more than a million dollars. My trust is not in this world, but my trust is in him. But I gotta move on, I'm running out of time already. I'm gonna invite the uh, ushers to come. We're gonna give an offering here in just a moment. So when God gets a heart, there's these, these places of faith, obedience, and self. Now obedience, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command you, John 14, 15. Somehow the word obedience has been stolen. I wanna say this again. The word obedience has been stolen by people who say it's legalism. We have a generation today that God never calls you to repentance or obedience. Just start going to church and try to be a little bit better. No, there's a place of obedience, there's a place of repentance, there's a place of surrender to God. And when I obey Him, that means that practically I will obey what I, He commands. He said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Now, the greatest hurdle that you face is not just faith or obedience. I want to tell you, I believe with everything in me. The greatest hurdle you face is yourself. When uh, we first came here and I found out I had a Satsuma tree, that was pretty cool. Waited and waited for that fruit and then that stinking hurricane. Which one was it? Elizabeth, Laura, what? I don't remember. Laura, I can't remember now. That's so many of them. They just should name them all devil, hurricane devil. It knocked off my fruit. I wasn't happy about that. As a child growing up, we had pear trees, apricot trees, plums. We had figs. We, we bought our house that an elderly lady had lived in, and she planted all these fruit trees everywhere. Um, huge apricots. We had a persimmon tree. Y'all ever eat persimmons? Don't eat them green. You'll talk like this. Get that puckered up lip. But I remember as a child growing up, I could not wait for the apricots to get ripe. When the apricots got ripe, we got, we got fried pies. Ooh, glory. It's almost lunchtime. Fried pie, apricot pie, and some ice cream. That'll do you just right. When that cantaloupe gets ripe and we would take and cut it in half and scoop the seeds out, we'd put a big old scoop of, now we had candies, 
ice cream. I don't know if y'all put, put a scoop of Gandy's ice cream in the center of that cantaloupe. Mama would put salt and pepper. It's weird. But there was always this anticipation of the first fruit when it came. I was so excited to get it. Get it. It's like the sweetest. You know, you've gone all year without having that fresh fruit. Can you imagine that all that you have, the Lord says, I'm asking you to honor me first. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be here, but by the grace and the mercy of God who gave us first, I'm here. The mercy of God, you're here. You weren't good enough. You could never be good enough. So he said, listen, you can't do it. I'm going to give you what's most precious. Do you know scripture says it this way? that it pleased him to crush his son. It's hard to imagine. First of all, he knew he, Jesus would be resurrected. But beyond that, he knew you. He said, you're worth it. Betty, he said, you're worth it. Darren, he looked down from heaven, he said, Darren's worth it. Stephen, Frankie, you're worth it. You're so worth it to me. I'm going to give it all. How could we not honor him in our giving? How could we not honor him in our first fruits? Say, Pastor Thurman, thank you for sharing that message. I'm going to give an offering. Let me tell you the offering that the Lord wants. The fruit the Lord desires is you and your heart. The money's secondary. The possessions are secondary. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 2, we're told of an account of two young men, Eli and Phine, uh, Hophni and Phinehas. They were the sons of Eli, but the Bible says they were corrupt men. They were corrupt peace. They would lay at the gates. They would go to the gates, and they would take women, and they would take them, and they would lay with them is what the Bible says. You know what that's referencing to. But not only would they do that, but instead of being obedient to the Word of God, where they would this provision would come into the house, and they'd take this meat, and they'd put it into a boiling pot and let it boil. Then they would take a hook, and when they would scoop it out, whatever came out was that person's portion. And they'd scoop it out and they'd give their portion. So whatever came. So that way, not everybody just got the ribeyes. Not everybody just got the tenderloin. You know what I'm saying? Some people got the forehead. <laughs> Some people got the ankle or the, the hip. I don't know. But the Bible says in chapter 2 that these men, they said, no, we're, we're not settled with just taking whatever comes out of that. We are going to literally force that you're going to give us the choice cuts. They demanded it. And the Bible says that, they, that it was a sin. Therefore, in verse 17, Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. So they, instead of being obedient to God and receiving what was given to them, they said, No, nah, I'm taking the first. I'm taking the best. When it comes right down to it, the Lord is trying to get place in your heart the places that you've reserved to yourself in summary let me tell you this the first fruits is it's about giving the first and the best it's a test of the heart and faith and obedience it's about honoring your father who is your provider 
this is the one I really want to focus on, the fruit that God really desires. It's you giving yourself to Him. That's what it is. So we're going to receive a first fruits offering, but I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to invite you to come and bring your offering. But as you come, it's not just the possessions that you're bringing. It's yourself. Lord, I give you all that I am. If the church is sold out to the plan and the purpose of God in this generation, this generation will be touched. If the people of Community Church are sold out to God in that capacity, you can be assured the county, Orange County, Mid-County, the Golden Triangle will be touched and transformed. Why? Because that's what God's just been doing. He's just been looking for a willing vessel that's open to him. Stand with me and see. Say, Pastor Thurman, I don't have a lot to give. That's a, it's not a matter of if it's a lot or not. It's a free will offering to the Lord. But more importantly, I want you to focus on the perspective that as you come, you're bringing yourself to God and saying, Lord, use me in the greatest extent. I open my heart to you afresh and anew. Father, you've been so good to us, Jesus. There has never been a moment that you failed us in any capacity. Lord, I know there have been times of maybe lack, but it's not because of your part. Maybe it's a lesson to teach me obedience. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus over your church this morning, God, that people would begin to take steps of practical obedience and faith in our giving, giving of ourselves first, and then out of that, Father, you've blessed us, and we want to honor you this morning. We want to honor you with this offering, whatever it is. If it's a dollar, if it's a nickel, if it's a thousand, I'm giving to you, Father, to honor you because I love you and I bless you. So this morning, Father, I pray that you would bless your people as they honor you. In the name of Jesus, amen. As you come this morning, you give, you are dismissed, but even if you don't have an offering to bring, come and just make your way as a, as a, as a, a matter of practical faith and obedience to the Lord and then make your way out the door. God bless you. We love you. Don't forget to sign up for Wednesday Night Meals.
Jesus, you are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things, and you deserve the glory.
so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to learn more about Community Church, you can visit our website at ccorange.org or come follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash community orange. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you next time.